Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We would love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit our website at www.lifechurchofrichmond.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Just take just a second and step out of the way and show you what's right with this generation. Amen? Because I'm going to tell you, for every bad story we hear, we've got a group of young people that want to serve the Lord and give God glory. I think we ought to just thank the Lord for that. Let's focus on what we can celebrate. Amen? Praise God. And what, and what a beautiful, diverse group we've got here. This is the body of Christ you're looking at right here. Amen? Love you girls. So proud of y'all. Amen? Thank you. And it helps that they did a good job singing too. So good to see everybody today. Did y'all like that snow yesterday? That's my favorite kind of snow. Big, giant flakes that fall for hours and melt right away. That was so nice. So nice. If you have your Bibles, you can get them ready. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 4. We're going to get ready to go there. Just want to say it's good to see everybody today in church. It was kind of a strange weather uh, event Friday night. It was, what, 63? And then you get up Saturday morning and it's snowing. And I thought, you know, you get those warm days and it kind of psychs you out. And then you wake up on Saturday and you remember, oh, yeah, it's the middle of February. <laughs> it's supposed to snow in February. So we got it maybe a couple more weeks. We might get a little more snow this week, too. So just keep your eyeballs out for that, all you snow lovers. All you snow haters, you got a couple more weeks, it'll be March, and you can celebrate, amen? The month that spring arrives. Uh, about, what an amazing service we had last week. Wasn't it amazing? Aren't you so thankful for the love of God and the grace of God that we experienced? We believe that something powerful was, was broken in the spirit realm, and I am excited to see what God has in store for us. Uh, as a church body, as we continue to learn to love each other with the love of God. Now, today I am uh, preaching, not really preaching. I'm going to be teaching today and probably my next message uh, in our series that we've entitled Committed. And my title today is God's Plan. Well, there it is. God's Plan for Financial Security. So let's go to our text, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 4. Jonathan, if you'll give me just a tad bit more monitor, that would help me. Proverbs 23, verse 4. <clears throat> it says, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. You know what? Let me just read it from the screen. I got a different NIV. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Verse 5. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Anybody that's ever had a dollar in your pocket, you know that verse is true. <laughs> Just take a look at it. Boom, it is gone. It sprouts its wings and flies away 
like an eagle. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. We're going to read from the New King James. It says, And my God shall supply all your needs. That's a promise you can embrace. It doesn't say all your wants. It doesn't even say all your greeds. It says all your needs. Amen. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. Financial security. Let's talk about it today. Let me start my timer here. Financial security is something that we really would all love to have. Uh, we have financial advisors. We just promoted a financial peace class. By the way, if you've never taken that class and you're free on Monday nights at 7 o'clock, I really encourage you to try it. It, it can be life-changing. We teach about budgets. We talk to credit counselors. We all want to live with at least a modest level of comfort. Amen? Can everybody just agree with that? Wouldn't you love to one day retire without having to sell peanut brittle to survive? Amen. You know, I told my mom this week, I was down there uh, visiting my dad in the hospital, and we were getting a biscuit in the Hardee's uh, drive through getting a breakfast biscuit, and there was an elderly lady there at the window, and, uh, you know, she was moving kind of slow, and I told my mom, I said, there's nobody over the age of 70 that really wants to work at Hardee's. <laughs> not, not, we, we would rather be retired. They'd rather be living comfortably. Financial security is something we all crave. Everybody wants more peace of mind. Uh, but so many times we're really not informed on how money works or even how the economy works because it's always changing. Most people, including many Christians, were battling fear about what our financial futures might look like. Uh, I mean, for, let me give you an example. Look at the recent government shutdown. It was bad enough that people were missing paychecks, but you know what was really sad? was that after only missing one paycheck or two paychecks, people were having to go to food kitchens to get groceries or to pay their bills. Guys, I'm going to tell you right now, missing one check and immediately going into crisis mode is not how God wants his people to have to live. Amen? I, I remember, I grew up that way. I remember many, many times as a young man, our lights being turned off and things happening and living paycheck to paycheck. I can tell you story after story. I know what it's like to be broke, but I want to tell you, God's good plan is that God wants us. And I'm not saying God wants to make you rich. This is not that kind of church. We don't believe that you're just all going to get gold teeth and live till you know, Jesus comes with lots of money in your pocket. It doesn't always work out that way. God will supply all your needs. Amen? But if you've not learned it yet, let me remind you, money is uncertain, and the economy and the stock market are unreliable. Amen? There's no guarantee that what you have today is what you're going to have tomorrow. The Apostle Paul even makes a similar point, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 through 10. And by the way, uh, I only teach on this financial stuff once or twice a year, so if you're a guest here, uh, I hope that you enjoy it. You're going to learn some things today. Uh, about churches and about tithing and about finances. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 through 10 says this. It says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, 
let us be content. Now, I could stop right here. I could preach a really great sermon just on this verse about how in America we're just not content enough with the blessings that God has given us. Come on, tell the truth. We're a bunch of greedy people, amen? We love our smartphones. We love the latest edition of our smartphones. We love all of the trappings that comes from being the wealthiest country in the world. You need to remind yourself that you are blessed just to be living where you're living in the United States of America. Verse 9. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Verse 10, notice, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Don't miss that. Not money. Some people misquote this. Money is not evil. Money is currency. Money conducts transactions. It's the love of money that can become the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money is what causes drug kings to become drug kings. It produces all kinds of evil. The love of money is what causes prostitution. The love of money is what causes a lot of sinful things that we're encountering in our world. Not money, but the love of money. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So you know what Paul is saying? Don't put your hope and security in money. Be content with the basics. Be grateful for the food that you have on the table, the clothes that you have on the back, your back, the roof that you have over your head, the blessings of God in your life. Amen. The good news is that even in times of bad news is that we don't live by this economy. As Christians, we live by God's economy. Amen. And we've got a level of trust in him that people who are not Christians don't have. This economy, not Obama's economy of the past or Trump's economy of the present, does not put food on your table or clothes on your back if you're a believer. They're not your provider. Amen. Philippians 4.19 says, my God shall supply all your needs. Let me share with you my life verse, and I believe it. Matthew 6, 31 through 33, it says, therefore do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. In verse 33, how do you get them? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. If you'll just put God first, the Scripture said God already knows what you need, and then he will add those things to your life. What things? What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? The things that we need in this life to survive. So what is God's plan for financial security? How do we as Christians make sure that we're operating our life and our finances in a way that ensures his blessings on all that we have? Because there is a right way and a wrong way for Christians to live and to operate financially. Now when we become Christians, the Bible says we're to come out from among them and be separate, right? Some folks think that if you're a Christian, you mainly just follow Christ in the spiritual areas of your life. You pray, you read your Bible a little bit, you come to church, but then you go back out into your real life. <laughs> go back out into the real world. And a lot of times God gets left out of that. The world at work, the world at school, the world at home. 
But see, the Bible doesn't say that's not how it works. The Bible's got a holistic view of what it means for us to be Christians. In other words, our relationship with God should impact everything that we do, everything that we are, everything that we're involved in. That means our relationships, our money management, how we raise our kids, how we treat one another. Your relationship with Jesus Christ should impact everything. And that includes how we conduct our affairs financially. Now, we've just come out of a a month of spiritual reflection during our 30 days of commitment, and we're asking ourselves questions like, uh, you know, am I praying? Am I living the way that God wants me to live? Am I involved in ministering to those around me? Is there spiritual fruit being developed in my life? But we also need to ask ourselves, am I living by God's plan when it comes to my finances? What am I going to do these next 10 months of this year to make sure that in the midst of any economic uncertainty that I might have, that I instead have God's blessings on my life and on my family and on my finances. Hear me, there's a lot of keys to surviving in these days, living within your means. I I don't have the time to teach on this. This is why we're really promoting financial peace, not overspending, working hard, debt reduction, living in a house or driving a car that, that you can afford to drive so you can pay your tithes and still be broke. If you don't know how to spend your money, if you don't know how to live within your means. So we have to live responsibly. But today I want to talk to you about the single greatest factor of God's plan for financial survival in any economy, in any generation. There is a way to get your finances under the blessings of God. Does anybody want your finances to be under the blessings of God? And we do that through the area of faithful giving of tithes and offerings. Now, Each year, usually in January, February, I try to take some time to teach on this subject because it's probably one of the most understood but important principles in the Bible. Now, I've discovered, really, truthfully, once a year is not enough because a lot of us, either we don't understand it as evidenced by our not doing it, or maybe we're new to Christ and we've we've never heard of this before, so we're just learning to put spiritual disciplines in place, or really, most regrettably, Some people just refuse to walk in obedience to the Word of God. And they're choosing instead to live in rebellion uh, uh, or or, or live by fear to operate in God's plan. Now, if you're a guest today, I believe this message can bless you because you get to hear about an element of financial stability that they don't teach about this outside of the church. And I also want to help you understand the church is not here just to get your money. Can I say that loud and clear? And can I also just be real transparent and tell you, every time I teach on this, you can ask my wife, I'm always nervous, I'm uptight, my stomach is in knots, I always feel uncomfortable because I always, and I just told her even before I got up here, please pray for me. I don't want anybody to think this is just some preacher up here trying to make a money grab. It's not about that. God has a plan that helps all of us to live in financial peace and to have his blessing on our life. So guess what? I would be a bad pastor if I did not talk to you about God's plan for what we really spend more of our time worrying about than any other issue, and that's financial provision. So if you're a guest, I hope that you get something out of this. If you're a member, some of us need to ask God to breathe this biblical principle for living on us in a fresh way in a brand new way. If you're already a faithful tither, don't let your giving just be by yesterday's commitment, but let God give you a fresh commitment and revive your heart and spirit about giving uh, today. 
And if you're not faithful in this area of your life, you need to let the Word of God convict you to a place of obedience so you can be blessed and so you can be a blessing. I got I got one really super weak amen. Can somebody help a brother out? <laughs> Everybody was quiet and heard this. Amen. That was my daughter trying to help me out there. She's like, oh, Lord Jesus. If I hear somebody say, bless him, Lord, then I'm going to know I'm in trouble. Amen. But hear me, God's plan for financial survival is simple. Obedience to his word, being faithful, and living within your means. See, the Bible really is a book about giving. Did you know that the Bible talks more about giving than it does about heaven or hell? Did you know Jesus talked more about giving than almost any other subject? Did you know over half of his parables have to do with money? Did you know there most of the there are more promises in the Bible related to giving than any other subject? As a matter of fact, if you do a study of key words that are used in the Bible, the word believe, 272 times. The word pray, 371 times. The word love, 714 times. The word give, 2,162 times. It's amazing. Three times more than love is mentioned. See, because God is a giver, and he wants us to become like him. So what's the deal about tithing? Let's talk about it. The word tithe means a tenth, a tenth part. It's a word that God uses all throughout Scripture. In the Bible, God tells us that we're to give the first 10% of all that we earn back to God. And see, giving less than 10% is not tithing. I want to help you understand that. You're giving, but it's not tithing. Giving more than 10% is more than tithing and would be considered an offering. The reason why the word tithing means 10 or a tenth. Giving a tithe is giving 10% of my income or my increase back to the kingdom of God every time I have increase in my life. What does the tithe do? Well, it goes to provide ministry to the church, help to the poor, ministries to the church and the community, assistance to the needy, the, the church building, all the costs associated with that. Did you enjoy a cup of coffee when you came in today? Thank a tither. Amen. Do you like that chair that you're sitting in? Thank a tither. Does it feel nice to have heat in the building? Thank a tither. Amen. See, because that's what happens. Your baby's being changed in the in the nursery with uh, with some of the wet wipes and the diapers we got back there. Thank a tither. Amen. Because there's a lot of things that the tithe does. It's God's plan for funding his kingdom. So let me talk about why should I tithe? Here's some reasons. If you're writing notes, you can write this down. Number one, God commanded it. Leviticus 27, 30 through 22, 30 through 32 says this. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. Notice, there it is, real clearly. One-tenth, and notice the other word that's significant. It's holy. It's holy. Verse 31, if you want to buy back the Lord's tenth of the grain or fruit, you must pay its value plus 20%. Count off every tenth animal from your herds and flocks and set them apart for the Lord as holy. I don't want you to miss this. The passage says the first tenth is holy. Now, we could just stop right there. God could have said 90%. He could have said 50%. He just said 10, 10%. Simply because he says it, we ought to want to obey it. But he says that part is holy. That means it belongs to him. Now, let me mention a common objection that I hear often as a pastor. People say, well, tithing is not taught in the New Testament. 
It's just Old Testament law. But in fact, did you know that the tithing was established before the law was even given? Tithing predates the law of Moses. The law was first established with Moses. God established tithing uh, 400 years before Moses was even born. It's not part of Jewish law. It was a life principle that began with Abraham before the Jewish nation even became Israel. Well, in the New Testament, Jesus does validate the tithe, but it is true that there's not anything specifically mentioned about tithing after, or after that mention from Jesus. Plenty on giving, but nothing on tithing. Well, first of all, let me say this. Jesus validating the tithe is all I need. That's all I need. But secondly, the truth of the matter is this. Every New Testament of, of the giving, every example goes beyond the tithe not falling short of it. See, there's a timeless truth here behind the concept of giving God our first fruits. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 through 10. Look what it says. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, don't miss this verse. This is really important. It's the key to God's plan for financial security. You might be able to, to even see it clear if you read it in reverse. How many of you want your barns to be filled with plenty and your vats to overflow with new wine? Now, obviously, we don't have barns and vats, but it's talking about what you have. Don't you want it to be in abundance? Then how do you do it? You honor the Lord, verse 9, with your possessions and with the first fruits. Of all, notice that word all, all your increase. There it is. That's God's plan. Put him first, he will take care of you. If you honor God first, you're bound and you're with the blessings of his word. The tithe is the minimal measure of those first fruits. Read it in the scripture. So the question we really ought to be focusing on was not was tithing just for God's Old Testament covenant people, but the question really should be why would God expect his new covenant? children to do less. See, Jesus always raised the spiritual bar. He never lowered it. So God, do you really expect less of me who now has your Holy Spirit living inside of me, who actually lives in the wealthiest society in human history? Do you expect less from me than you demanded from the poorest Israelite? I don't believe so. God commanded it. Here's your second reason you should tithe. Tithing demonstrates that God has first place in my life. First place. Look at Deuteronomy 14.23 from the Living Bible. I love it uh, in this verse. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God in first place in your life. To always put God in first place in your life. Amen. You see, I can say God has first place in my life. But did you know there's two things that you can look at that will always tell you what is first place in your life? It's real simple. Look at your calendar and look at your checkbook. I'm not even talking about money right now. I'm not even talking about tithing. You want to know what's important in your life? Look at your calendar and look where your money's going. That will tell you what's most important in your life. And for some of us, you might say, well, that's family. Look at my checkbook. I'm paying bills. Look at my schedule. I'm at work all the time. Look at my free time. I'm with my kids. That will communicate what's first in your life. So the way I use my money and the way I use my time really indicates what's first in my life. So the question is, is God going to be first or is school first, hobbies first, dominion power first? See, when you look at your checkbook, is God first or is the student loan first? 
Is the credit card bill first? Is the car payment first? Is Starbucks first? Is Chick-fil-A first? Chick-fil-A is right on up there. Woo. Hallelujah. Country style is right up there. But what's first? See, let me just tell you, this church was built on the backs of people who not only said God was first in their life, they put God first in their life. And I want you to know, if Life Church is going to continue to influence our society and fulfill our mission, we all have to put God first, not only with our mouth, but with our money. Amen? Here's the third reason tithing is still important. Tithing reminds me that everything I have was given to me by God. Deuteronomy 8, 18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. If you've been blessed with a good job, if you have a skill in your life and you're a believer, every day you get up, you need to thank God. God, you've given me the power to get wealth. Amen. Thank you, God, for my job. It's allowed me to buy food for my family. It's put a roof over my head. It has put shoes on my feet. Thank you, God, that you have given me the power to get wealth. Because did you know there's a lot of people out there that they have to rely on others to take care of them? You need to thank God because he's given you everything that you have. When I sit down every week and I write out my tithing check, you know what it reminds me? God, everything I have came from you. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have anything. God gives us the ability to be blessed. Writing that tithe check, while I know I'm dating myself, I'm, I'm still a guy that writes checks. <laughs> What's a check? <laughs> writing that check and that offering check or giving it online or through your debit card or, or your auto draft or whatever you do, it's a regular reminder that God has given you everything that you have. Amen? He gave me the ability and the power to get wealth, and he does it not only to bless me, but to establish his covenant through me. Here's another reason that tithing is significant. God says that refusing to tithe is robbing from him. Now that's, that's kind of a negative uh, connotation to it. That's pretty strong though. Look what Malachi chapter 3 verse 8 says. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? How in the world, God, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. See, the Bible says that when I use my money to pay bills and I neglect my tithe, I've robbed God. It goes all the way back to the first verse. Why? Because the tithe is holy. See, it's wrong for anyone who's a believer to take something that does not belong to them. How would you like it if while we were in church, somebody went out in your car and stole your cell phone or took your camera or whatever is out in your car right now or took your car? It would be wrong because they're taking something that belongs to you. But see, we, we sometimes forget if you're a Christian and you're not tithing, that's exactly what you're doing. I'm paying my bills. I'm going out to eat. I'm doing whatever. But I'm doing it with God's money. You need to stop and think about that. If you're a believer, don't rob God. And don't rob God's people. Amen. Tithing gives God, here's another uh, reason we should tithe. Tithing gives God a chance to prove himself to us. And to bless us. Let me read Malachi 3, 9 through 10. It says, you're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now check this out. That there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty. And I love this part. Look. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven 
and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Now, don't look, it says, bring the whole tithe to my house. Not a half of a tithe, not a third of a tithe. Bring the whole tithe. And then he says, test me in this. God says, I want you to put me to the test. This is one of the most amazing promises in the Bible. God actually offers you a challenge, and he says, I dare you. Test me. Prove me. Start tithing and watch what happens. He not only makes a promise to bless you with more, but he promises to protect what you already have. Look at Malachi 3.11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. There's so many of us that could come up and share testimonies about how God gave your car extra life. God healed your transmission. God did all kinds. I mean, I'm telling you, my, I've got appliances. I've got a washing machine that I don't even, I can't even remember when I bought it. It's so old. I think I bought it when we bought our first house. That thing is still running. Yeah, there's just a lot of things that God does every day of your life. The little blessings that he pours out. Rebuking the Maytag devourer. <laughs> Rebuking the Honda devourer. I'll never forget when I was a teenager, uh, I, I had a little Honda Accord Civic. I'll never forget, I've told the story before. I didn't have any money. I was tithing. I was a teenager. I was working at a steak restaurant. I was first, I started out as a dishwasher. I ended up on the grill. And I was, man, I was just getting my hustle on, doing everything I knew to do. I had this Honda, and the transmission went out on it. I, and I, I was still able to drive it, but it was jerking around, and I couldn't get any gear. And it went on. And I went to a guy who, uh, who worked on cars, and he said, man, your transmission is shot. You can still drive it. Right now, but sooner or later, it's just going to completely die, and you can't move anywhere. I said, well, how much is it going to cost to get it fixed? He said, probably around $600. That was a lot of money back in 1988 or 87, whatever it was, 86, 84 maybe. (laughs) Great day in the morning. I'm old. And you're going to laugh at me, but you know what I did? 17 years old. I walked out, and I said, I just told him, I said, I don't have any money. I'm just going to have to drive until it dies. He said, okay. I walked right out, and that little green Honda Accord was sitting there, and I laid my hand on the hood of the car, 17 years old. I said, Lord, you know I don't have the money to fix this car. I have to have this car to drive back and forth to work. Will you please help this thing to last? That's what I did. I got back in it, started the car up. Guess what? Herking and jerking all down the road. Couldn't get it to shift. I'm just putzing along. I don't even remember when it happened. But within a week, I got in it one day, and I got in, I started driving down the road. And then all of a sudden, it hit me. This thing is running great. I'm shifting. I had a five-speed back then. Man, I was shifted down in fifth gear. I was like, man, this thing. And you know what? That car ran for three more years. I never fixed the transmission. When I sold it, I said, Lord, Bless whoever else gets this car. That's just one teeny tiny example of rebuking the devourer. And you know what? I fully believe. Now, guess what? I've had cars that broke down on me, and God didn't heal them. I mean, I've driven stuff, and it's like blow up. Like, oh, man, okay, no praying for this one. You need to put this one in the ground. It's gone. (laughs) So it doesn't always work. 
specifically on specific situations, but guess what? I have never been forsaken from that time till now. I've got food on my, in my cabinet. I've got clothes on my back. I have never paid a bill late one time in my entire life. I'm not bragging. I'm telling you, God has always made a way, amen? He's always made a way. God is good, and he takes care of you. He says, prove me, and he does. What should I tithe? Let me, let me try to hurry here. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 through 10. You should tithe the first of all your increase. Everybody say first. Notice what it says. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. The Bible makes really clear I should tithe off the first part of what I earn. Anybody ever seen that bumper sticker? T- uh, uh, says, honk if you love Jesus. Well, you know, anybody can honk the horn. It ought to say tithe if you love Jesus. Amen. Because that's a much bigger commitment. But you know what the first fruits means? I tithe off my paycheck. Now, you're going to think I'm being legalistic about this. I always tithed off my birthday and graduation cash. I I would tithe off of an insurance policy. If you get an inheritance, anything that is an increase in your life. Y'all, right now, y'all going, even my Chick-fil-A gift cards and my, (laughs) I'm going to leave that between you and Jesus, amen. But all I know, the Bible says is honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. And also, while I'm here, let me just answer this question too, because some people have asked me, should I tithe off my gross or my net? Anybody ever wondered about that? Well, I personally believe that my first fruits is my gross income. And that is what I tithe on. Now, tax rates change as evidenced by the recent changes. Some folks are real happy with it. Some folks are. Can I? It's just, I almost laughed. In 2018, everybody was so excited. Everybody's clapping. Woo, I get more money in my paycheck every week. Everybody's getting more money in their paycheck. We're all excited 2018. And then we filed taxes in 2019. Like, where'd all my tax check go? Where, where'd my big refund go? In your pocket last year, every week with your check. So, see, we, we don't always understand how it works. But pre-tax dollars are your dollars. Ask anyone who works for themselves. Ask anybody that owns a business. See, sometimes you don't know even know what, you, what you've made until the end of the year. Taxes are a bill that we pay just like other bills. Now, I'm going to just say this. If that is not your conviction, I'm not here to browbeat anybody or beat anybody down. Here's all I would say. I would encourage you to pray about that. Ask the Lord to speak to you and just simply ask him, God, what are my first fruits? And whatever he tells you, obey it. Is that fair? Amen. 28 years ago when Robin and I got married, we had that commitment right up front to live this way. Because we started when we were kids. And by the way, teach your kids to tithe. If you have children living at home, teach them to tithe. Divide the money up. Give them three little envelopes. Give, save, spend. It's a visual way. Uh, for them to say, if, if they get uh, get something, show them. We take one of these out of the ten and we we give it. We do something with it. It's a great way to teach your kids. And we've always said, whether anybody else gets paid or not, God's going to get paid first. Every time, all the time, on time. Amen? We Because I owe everything to Him. Everything to Him. I even, and this is just me personally, I make sure that the first check that I write Every week after I get paid is my tithe check. I can have a whole stack of stuff that I'm going to pay, and guess what I do? I always, mentally for me, I write the tithe check first, and I say, God, this is my first fruit. 
and it's going back to you. Thank you. And thank you for giving me provision to take care of this stack of stuff. In Jesus' name. It's a tangible reminder. So where should I tithe? My church. Malachi 3.10 says, bring your whole tithe to my storehouse. Now, the Bible is talking about the place where you worship. Give your tithe where you worship. Take the first 10% and give it to God's work in the local church. If you're not a member of this church, if you're a member of another church, you're never going to hear a preacher say this, don't bring your tithe here. Give it to your storehouse where you worship. Now, if this is your church, this is where you bring your tithe. Amen? Not your favorite evangelist or missionary. The tithe belongs in your local church. That's your storehouse where it can be distributed to the areas of greatest need. In the Old Testament, the place of worship, the storehouse, was the temple. In the New Testament, it was the synagogue. In in our day, it's the church. Bring your tithe and offering to where you worship God. Here's another point. When should I tithe? Consistently. Everybody say consistently. 1 Corinthians 16 and 2 from the NIV Throw it up there because I've got a different NIV, I think. On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collection will have to be made. Now, I want you to notice, he's saying a mouthful. Now, he doesn't use the word tithing here, but don't miss this. On the first day of the week, that for us, that's Sunday, each one of you should set aside a sum of money. Now, check this out. In keeping with your income. In other words, it's proportional to your income. Here's the great news. If you don't have a job, you don't have to pay any tithe. If you make zero dollars, you owe zero dollars. If you only make a hundred bucks a week, your tithe is only ten dollars. If you make a thousand dollars a week, yours is a hundred. If you make ten thousand a week, your tithe is a thousand. Anybody here would like to make ten thousand a week, by the way? Oh yeah. It's in keeping with your income. It's proportional to your income. That's what I love about tithing. It is the fairest system ever. Don't you wish the government would be that fair? I I wish Uncle Sam would just say 10% from everybody. I really do. I wish he would. I could live with that. I would also be paying a whole lot less taxes than what I'm paying right now. And so would most of you. So you do it every time you get paid. How should I tithe? Musicians, praise team, come on up. Let's give them a little hope. I'm not done yet, but let's give them some hope. Amen. Come on up and let's get ready. How should I tithe? Do it willingly. When God looks at our giving, you know what? He's not impressed with the amount. He's not. He doesn't look at the amount you give. He looks at your spirit and your attitude. He looks at what's left over in proportion to what you gave. 2 Corinthians 9 and 7 says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, don't get that scripture wrong. Some people say, oh, as I purpose in my heart. That doesn't mean if you don't want to, you don't have to give. You're a believer. It means the purpose in your heart should be to give cheerfully, not grudgingly. Amen? Give willingly, not reluctantly. Give joyfully. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Did you know that Greek word for cheerful is the word from which we get our word hilarious? Wouldn't that be hilarious if when we took the offering, everybody just busted out laughing? Ah, here's my time. Ah. But did you know in your spirit, you ought to just be feeling like 
God, I'm so thankful. Now, I haven't done it in a long time, but I went through a little space there for about two or three years. Every time they passed the offering, I would throw my offering in there and I'd say, thank you, Jesus. I'm a cheerful giver today. Now, I'm still a cheerful giver. I don't do that anymore. But what would happen if we changed the way we looked at the offering time? By the way, Justin, where are you at? Justin did a great job today sharing about the offering and scriptures and talking about giving. What would happen if we started looking at offering as part of our worship? See, the worship doesn't stop when the singing ends. The worship keeps going. And when I drop my tithe and my offering in the play, the worship keeps going when I'm hearing the word of God and something speaks to me and I say amen. The worship keeps going. When the altar call starts and I get, it's part of our worship. And give generously and give expectantly. Why don't we stand right now? I think I've said enough. Second Corinthians 9 and 6. Throw that up on the screen, if you will. I'm going to close with this. It says, but this I say, look at this principle. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. It's really, it's kind of like, like a farmer who sows seed. You know what, if a farmer has a tough crop last year, he's only got a certain amount of seed, you know what? He doesn't say, I can't afford to plant this seed because I don't have very much. He can't afford not to plant that seed. He's got the choice, either I'm going to eat all this seed myself or I'm going to plant it so that I can see a harvest to come. Now, he can eat it, but it might be his last meal. Or he can plant it. And you know what the farmer does? He plants it. Why? Because he expects it to bring a return. Now, if I could just be real candid, some of you are struggling right now, and the reason is you're eating all your seed. You're eating all your seed. Instead of sowing God's portion of it back into God's kingdom. Don't miss that. Some people say, I can't tithe because I'm broke. But here's the reality. If you're a believer and you've been a believer long enough to be giving your life consistent, you're broke because you're not tithing. I'm not trying to be mean or ugly about it. But if you're lo- if you are serving the Lord and you've been a believer for a while, it's a discipline you want to step into so God can unleash His blessing on your finances. I've said it before, I'll say it again, and it's not original with me. I would much rather have a blessed 90% than a cursed 100% every time. Amen? So what is God saying? If you want to harvest, you've got to plant. And then that scripture even goes a little bit further. He says if you want a small harvest, what do you do? So sparingly. If you want to reap sparingly, so sparingly. But then he says, if you want to reap bountifully, so bountifully. Bountifully. Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And we all know that there's really only two types of people in life. There's takers and there's givers, right? But the happiest people in life are not the takers. Happiest people in life are the givers. You know, when we honor people, we don't honor people who take, do we? We always are honoring people 
who give themselves away or give their resources away or give their, their everything. We honor givers. Carl Manager said this. He's one of the top psychiatrists in the nation. This is what he said, and I quote, Giving is a criterion of mental health. Generous people are rarely mentally ill. He said the more healthy you are, the more unafraid you are to give away. The more you hold things in and are afraid to give away, that's an indication that there's fear in your life. So Life Church, I'm closing right now. I want to challenge every man and woman who says that this is their church. I want to challenge you to begin to give faithfully. I'm not passing out commitment cards. I'm not putting anybody on the spot. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. As a matter of fact, why don't we do this? Why don't every head bowed, every eye closed? Why don't you just pray right now and say, God, I don't want to be somebody that sits on the chair week after week, soaking up the blessings, soaking up your healings, your strength, your power. I don't want to do that and not be faithful to you in return. God, I, I don't want to give you my leftovers. You deserve my best. You deserve my first fruits. Matter of fact, I recognize now that it's holy and it belongs to you anyway. I'm really not even giving it. I'm just returning it. I understand that tithing is not the, the, the apex. Tithing is just the floor. It's where I enter in. God, I, I want you to bless this church so that we can bless others and we can be a blessing in your kingdom. But God, it's not just about what comes into this body. God, I want you to bless your people. Teach us and show us that you are our provider. You are our strength. You are the one who meets all our needs. So right now, as we get ready to close, many of you are faithful tithers. Many of you are not. Some of you give offerings above your tithe. Some of you do not. But I, I do believe that we all want to see God's kingdom unleashed in our life. Amen? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you, if you're a tither, I'm going to ask you to step out from where you are. And I just want you to come down and I want you to say, God, in this service today, I'm just thanking you once again for taking care of me and my family. I'm thanking you again for the Malachi blessing that is on my life. And I'm just taking a step and saying, God, I'm going to continue to give cheerfully. I'm going to continue to, to sow into your kingdom. Now, also I'm going to open this altar, and this way we don't know who's doing what because it doesn't matter. It's between you and God. If you haven't taken that step, or maybe you haven't been faithful in your tithing, or maybe you've never begun to tithe at all, I'm going to challenge you right now to take a step of faith and do what God says when he says, test me, prove me. I want to encourage you to step out from where you are and say, God, it's really scary. My money is tight. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but God, I'm going to take a step of faith and I'm going to begin to put you first. I'm going to open this altar right now. I want every tither. I want every, uh, every person that's contemplating to just step out from where you are. And let's begin to ask for God to give us financial security and financial peace. Can we do that right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for your people. I thank you for the men and the women that are in this audience today. God, I want you to bless every tither. I want you to bless them as they have been faithful to you. But God, also, I really, God, want you to, to bless those that are taking this step of faith today. It's a big step of faith. It's Prove yourself to them, Lord. We want to be financially free.
continue praying, you girls just keep playing, sing. I don't want you to miss an opportunity. If you're not a believer, if you've not accepted the Lord into your life, if you've never been baptized, or maybe you're a believer, you're not spirit-filled, I don't want you to miss this opportunity. This is not just about timing. The most important decision you'll ever make is the one to serve the Lord. Amen? So why don't you just lift your hands up right now and say, God, I want you to come into my life. I want you to come into my life in a fresh and a new way. God, I want you to fill my heart, God. God, I believe in you. I want you to fill me with your spirit, God. God, I want you to do your work in my life. That's it, that's it. God, heal me, God. Touch your people today, Lord. Those that are bad, God, set them free. Those that need a healing in their body, heal today, God. Love of God, flow in this house. Flow in this house. Flow in this house. Show them the love of God. You're dismissed. In Jesus' name, have a great day in the house of the Lord. Amen.